I'm Jonathan Mosen. In episode 82 of the podcast, I'll review and demonstrate the Mantis Q40. It's a product of APH, the American printing house for the blind, and distributed internationally by Humanware. Listen on to learn about this braille display with a QWERTY keyboard. Mosen at Large Podcast. Since its announcement by APH, the American printing house for the blind in Louisville, Kentucky, the Mantis Q40 braille display has garnered a lot of attention. The Mantis Q40 is first and foremost a braille display. You can connect it to a range of screen readers, and what you see on the braille display is controlled by the driver for that screen reader and the screen reader's user interface. But most braille displays have a Perkins-style keyboard, or at least an 8-dot keyboard, so you've got your standard 6 braille dots, dot 7, which can also work as the backspace key, and dot 8, which can work as enter. The Mantis Q40 takes a different approach. It has a standard laptop-style QWERTY keyboard. So why has this got so many people excited? I think for a couple of reasons. One is that many of us can type faster than we braille. I think that's because of the nature of braille input. Depending on what you're doing and your preferred grade of Braille, you could press as many as eight keys simultaneously in combinations of those different keys. If you don't press one of the keys hard enough or you don't perhaps have an even Brailing style, then you may make errors. It is also pretty common for people to make cording errors. The concept of cording is when you press the spacebar and a combination of other keys at the same time to get some sort of review or input function that isn't keyboard entry. If you consider yourself a Braille input ninja, but you don't let up on the spacebar quickly enough, you may have entered a chord command when you didn't intend to. So for many people, even those who are passionate about their Braille, there's just something more smooth, more reliable about using a QWERTY keyboard. Second, many people with Braille devices that have Braille input options often find that their Braille display sits in front of their QWERTY keyboard and they seldom touch their Braille keyboard for input because they find it convoluted to emulate things like the function keys, control, alt and windows that you have to use regularly when you're using a PC. It can certainly be done and the many L-Braille users out there are a testimony to the fact that it can be done very successfully. But the learning curve is quite steep. HIMSS has developed an alternative approach to this problem in that they've developed the QBraille, which has a standard Braille keyboard, but it has modifier keys, such as Control and Alt. But of course, that takes me back to point one. It doesn't get around the fact that sometimes people find that they are less reliable Brailing than they are typing. Third, we can lament it all we like, and Apple has tried to improve it, I guess, over time, but Braille input, when you use contracted Braille on an iPhone, can be laggy, it can be unreliable. If you can have a Braille device that also happens to have a QWERTY keyboard with all the familiar Bluetooth keyboard commands that you've become used to, perhaps through use of a device like the Apple wireless keyboard, then you'll significantly improve the user experience if you're entering data on your iPhone for serious work. Fourth, imagine if you could have a QWERTY keyboard device that is the device to end them all, a device that you can carry around with you that controls everything that you gain access to, whether it supports Braille or not. Because the Mantis Q40 uses the Human Interface Design Protocol, or HID for short, Even when you have a device that doesn't support Braille, you can use the QWERTY keyboard aspect of it. For example, let's say that I'm curled up on the couch with a Mantis Q40 and I have my iPhone, iPad and Apple TV paired to the Mantis. Thanks to VoiceOver, all of those devices support Braille. But I also have an Amazon Fire TV stick plugged into our TV. While that has a screen reader, that screen reader does not support Braille but I can still control the Fire TV stick using the Bluetooth keyboard function of the Mantis. As far as the Fire TV stick is concerned, it's just another standard Bluetooth keyboard. What happens if your screen reader crashes? It does happen from time to time, as I'm sure we all know. With the Mantis, because it's still appearing as a standard Bluetooth keyboard, you may be able to get yourself out of a difficult situation. In addition to the core functions of being a Braille display and a Bluetooth keyboard, the Mantis Q40 does have some onboard applications. 
This is not a fully-fledged note-taker, and it's not marketed by APH as such. And I think one of the challenges for APH going forward will be the potential for scope creep. People will want this thing to do more and more, and the product management team at APH, I guess, will have to draw a line in the sand and define some boundaries about areas where they won't go. In terms of the way that the Mantis is developed, I feel like the Beatles could almost burst into song here from the end of the Abbey Road album and say something like, and in the end, the device you take is equal to the device you make, because APH designed the Mantis and they put it out for tender. This is our ideal device and we'd like someone to build it. Humanware put in a bid to produce this device and APH accepted that bid. Humanware has now built the Mantis. And as APH works to expand international distribution channels, they have given the Mantis back to Humanware to distribute internationally. So if you're in the United States, you can find out all about the APH Mantis Q40 from APH's website at APH.org. If you're outside of the United States, then you should consult your nearest Humanware office or a Humanware dealer for further information. Humanware kindly sent me a Mantis Q40 to evaluate, and I certainly appreciate them doing that. When you unbox the Mantis Q40, you get the Mantis device itself, and we'll talk much more about that in a moment. There's a protective case. It's kind of like a bumper case. It is not one of those cases where you can fling it around your shoulder that we all love so much and open it up and use it in the case. This is kind of a bumper case. You can keep it on to protect the device against accidental bumps and that kind of thing, but it's not a carrying case. The good news is that such a carrying case does exist. It's a third-party case produced by Executive Products, and you can purchase it from wherever you bought your Mantis. So that means in the United States, it's available on the APH website. If you purchased it through Humanware internationally or a Humanware dealer, they will be able to source the Mantis case from Executive Products for you. It is not available on the Executive Products website. You'll find a USB power adapter in the box. That's because when you charge the Mantis Q40, you go from a cable with a USB-C port at one end to USB-A. Now, you can just plug it into the computer, and when you're using it, it's charging. But if you want to get the fastest charge possible, you'll want to use the power adapter and plug it into the wall outlet to get a quick charge. And as well as the adapter, there's the USB-A to USB-C cable. So you do have everything you need in the box to charge the device. USB-C is a really sensible move. It is so much easier for many people who struggle with plugging things in because you can plug it in both ways. And the fact that it's USB-C means it's adhering to a standard. If your cable breaks or you lose the cable, it's no problem at all to get another one. For those who are good with dimensions, and I must confess I am not, but according to the National Federation of the Blinds review of the Mantis Q40, it's approximately 11 and a half inches wide by about six and a half inches deep by about three fourths of an inch, and it weighs a little under two pounds. When I picked this up, and I was mindful that I had a QWERTY keyboard here and a 40-cell Braille display, my initial reaction is, wow, this is actually quite a bit lighter than I was expecting. If you have the unit positioned correctly on a table in front of you, on the front you've got the 40-cell Braille display, and there's a cursor routing key above each Braille cell. The Braille is really crisp. It may even be a bit too crisp for some people's tastes, and to my knowledge, there is no way at the moment to adjust how crisp the Braille is. If I had to guess, I would say these feel like KGS cells to me, but I don't know that for certain. The Braille display is in really good shape, which is of course what you would expect with a new unit. There are no ghost dots. When the dots go down, they go all the way down, and it feels really smooth and a good user experience. When the cells pop up, they are not noisy. But the thumb keys are a bit noisy, which when doing audio production is something that I am aware of. Those thumb keys are on the front of the unit. So you have the Braille display on the top and then on the front you have five buttons and it takes me back to my Braille note using and managing in fact days. You've got the previous thumb key, then the left thumb key. There's a round button that's quite tactually distinctive and that is the home button and we'll talk a lot more about that as we talk about the user interface. 
and then there's the right thumb key, and finally, the next key. When you're using this as a Braille display with your screen reader of choice, obviously it's going to be up to your Braille display what these buttons do. But the really good thing is that even in APH's own apps that we'll talk about soon that are built into the unit, these thumb keys are programmable. I really appreciate that because I like to have the very far left key pan my Braille display to the right. So having the ability to configure it the way I like has incentivized me to really give the apps on board the Mantis Q40 a good play. So congratulations to APH for understanding that Power Braille users want that degree of customization. Over on the left-hand side of the unit, you have a USB-A port. This is used to connect storage devices like a thumb drive, for instance. The use case here is pretty cool. Let's say that you're in a situation where somebody has forgotten to send a document to you in advance. It could be a Microsoft Word document. You can get that on a thumb drive, plug it into your Mantis Q40, and then read that document using the Book Reader app or open it up in their built-in editor. After that, you have a small button that's got a dot on it, but it is still pretty small, and that is the power button. You hold this button down for a few seconds to boot the machine. Because this is more than just, shall we say, a dumb braille display, it will take a while to boot, like a smartphone or a computer can take a few seconds to boot. When you've done that, though, you can tap the button to put it into standby mode and tap it again to wake it up. After that, you have a USB-C port. You can use that for three things, as we've discussed already, for charging the unit, You can also connect to your PC or your Mac and use it as a Braille display, a keyboard, or both. And finally, you can use it as a drive that will appear on your computer. What really impresses me about this is that you can use it as a USB Braille display and a drive at the same time. There's no special mode that you have to put the Mantis into in order to have it appear as a drive, certainly in Windows. When you have it plugged in to the USB port of your computer, it just appears. It was so magical that I didn't really realize how easy it was, and I was trying to find a special mode, searching for things in the manual. There isn't actually a lot in the manual about using it as a drive on the computer, so hopefully that might change in the future. But it's very elegant, because what it means is that you can take a document copy it across to the Mantis and use it in its built-in apps without having to stop using the device as a Braille display. The back of the unit is pretty smooth, other than the fact that it has an SD card slot, and they recommend the maximum storage capacity that you put in here is a 64 gigabyte SD card. Given that the device doesn't play multimedia content, 64 gigs is an insane amount of storage for storing documents. Some people may find it useful to be able to remove an SD card and pop it into a card reader that might be connected to another device, but you may not need an SD card at all. That's because on board the Mantis Q40, you have 16 gigabytes of storage right there. That's internal storage. Now, even if you go crazy with some of the features we talk about later, such as downloading Bookshare books and NFB Newsline content, you really are going to work hard to fill that up. So it's cool that that is built in right there. And of course, once you've plugged it into a computer, it's really easy to get things on and off the device. On the underside of the device, you find the serial number in Braille, and there's also a battery compartment, which is secured by Phillips screws, And the batteries are both rechargeable and replaceable. Batteries do deteriorate over time, so if you find you need to replace the batteries, you can do that yourself. That is a really nice touch. On top of the device, going back to the top again, you have the QWERTY keyboard. Now, I'm going to bring the device up close to the microphone and bring the microphone down to the device and just type on this thing so you can hear what the keyboard sounds like. So it's um, quite satisfying. It is one of the better keyboards that I have used. You can certainly type at a good clip and you can type comfortably. To give a sense of perspective here, nothing's going to compare with typing on a mechanical keyboard. But, you know, you put a mechanical keyboard in one of these things, <laughs> it's going to weigh a ton. So it's all about perspective, isn't it? This is a nice keyboard. If I had a choice, I would put up with it being a little bit wider 
so that it could have a dedicated home end page up and page down key. When I shop for laptops, I immediately rule out any laptop that doesn't have the dedicated home end page up and page down keys. And when it is a little wider, that also usually allows for a dedicated insert key as well. And in the context of a device that's being used for screen reader use, I think that would have been a good trade-off to make, just have it a little bit wider. So that means that if you want to use home, you will have to use the function key and the left arrow. For end, it's the function key and right arrow. For page up, it's the function key with up arrow. And for page down, it's the function key with down arrow. So this will be familiar to you if you use one of the many laptops on the market that do not have those dedicated home end page up and page down keys. Another key Windows users may be looking for is the application key. Now, you can press Shift F10 in many Windows applications to get the application key functions, but not all of them. Reaper is a case in point. If you press Shift F10, you will get a different menu from that which you get when you press the application key. So sometimes you've got to have one, and there is one hidden away in the Mantis. To press the application key, When you're in terminal mode and using it with a Windows computer, you hold down the function key and press the right-hand control key. On the left of the standard QWERTY keyboard, right at the bottom left, you've got a control key. You also have a function key. And then the next two keys will vary depending on what you are using them with. So the next one will be the Windows key, which is what you would expect on a Windows keyboard. If you are connected to a Mac or an iPhone, that will become the option key. And to the right of that, you have the alt key. And if you connect to an iPhone or a Mac, that becomes the command key. On the right of the spacebar, you have a right-hand alt and a right-hand control key. You have very nice pronounced up, down, left, and right arrow keys. There's a row of function keys at the top of the keyboard, and there's no gap. Sometimes you see F1 through 4 and then a gap and F5 through 8, and then a gap, etc. There's no room for that with this keyboard. So you do have a dot on the F4, the F8, and the F12 key. And right next to the F12 key is delete, and that's all that is on that row, other than the escape key at the far left, which also has a dot on it. I have no difficulty whatsoever using this for long periods to type substantial documents. I actually wrote a speech, a presentation, that I had to give with this, And it was no problem at all. It was really pleasant to use. What I'll do is power on the Mantis Q40 and we'll go through the applications on board and I'll say some things that have stood out for me about each of these applications. The first is the editor. And this is a pretty handy application for composing documents. It's limited, but nobody ever said you were buying a notes taker with this. You're buying a Braille display with a few extras, essentially, with a few utilities. This editor will save .txt files, so plain text files. But remember, that's really not much of a barrier anymore. If you've been listening to other podcasts that I've produced, you'll know that I'm a big user of Ulysses on my iPhone. And Ulysses is capable of producing Markdown documents. If you're not familiar with the concept of Markdown, you can go back into the archives of the podcast. I did a demonstration of creating a Markdown document in Ulysses and installing a utility called Writage, which is free, and that allows Microsoft Word to take those Markdown files, which are plain text files with some really simple formatting instructions in them that you put in the text file, and turn them into Microsoft Word files, render them with all the formatting. So if you become familiar with Markdown, you can create some beautiful documents with the editor in the Mantis Q40, just by using markdown commands. And then because the device is appearing as a drive, if you have it connected to the USB port of your PC, you can take that file. You will have to rename it with an MD extension because at the moment, the Mantis does not recognize the MD extension. And that would be a very simple thing to add. And I hope that they do because then you can just uh, take the markdown document, bring it into Word, and you'll find that it's beautifully formatted. And that means that you can use JAWS's navigation quick keys to zap around by heading or whatever other format attributes you've used. And you can also quickly email it off to someone knowing that it looks good. You can open contracted Braille files in the editor and then you can navigate with them and 
edit them with the QWERTY keyboard, and you can also open Word files with a .docs or .docx extension. But you have to remember that when you save these files, if you make a change and then you make a save, you have created a .txt version of that file. I got a bit burned by this, and I won't do it again because it was a bit traumatic having to redo so much work. So what happened was that before the Mantis Q40 arrived, I started work on this presentation, on this speech that I was telling you about. So I took the Word file that I had done so far and I copied it across to the Mantis, and that was great. And I opened it up in the editor, and that was also great. And I started to do some work. And every so often, I pressed Control-S to save it. And I kept working away, and I went away, did some other things, came back, and reopened the Word version of the file, which was still there. Because I'm so used to opening the .docx file. But that wasn't the last version of the document that I had changed. The moment I hit save, I had created a second version of the document that had a .txt extension. So when I made a wee change at the top of my file, thinking I must have missed this last time, and I pressed Control-S to save, what I'd actually done was to wipe out all of the changes, and I'd written quite a bit more that I had made in the speech because I opened the old original .docx version that I copied. I think it's pretty easy for people to get caught by this. And one way around it could be that when you press Control S to save and create that new version of it that has a .txt extension, perhaps the Mantis could prompt, do you want to delete the original Word version or something like that? Obviously, it would be ideal if you could just save the Word file if it both saved and opened Word documents. But again, I understand there's potential for scope creep here And there is a very strong argument to be made that that's a note-taker function, and this is not a full-fledged note-taker. When you're in the editor, if you're used to working in Windows, you will be right at home here. All of your clipboard commands work the same. Control-C, Control-X, Control-V. You can even press Control-O to open a file and choose it from the Mantis's storage options. However, if you want to create a new file in the editor, you have to press Control-Alt-N rather than the standard Control-N. Given the trouble that APH has gone to to adhere to Windows conventions, I'm not really clear why that is, why you wouldn't use Control-N to open a new file, but it's easy enough to get used to. It's really not a problem. WordWrap does exist in this editor, which makes working with it lovely, and there's a really nice selection feature. If you are selecting using Shift up and down arrow keys, which you can certainly do to adhere to Windows conventions, that can be a bit difficult when you're trying to read on a Braille display, because there is no speech here, of course. It is Braille only. So you can press F8 to begin the text selection process. Again, that is very consistent behavior with Windows. So if you're familiar with working in Windows, you'll be right at home here. And then you can arrow around to your heart's content, press a cursor routing key at the point that you want your selection to end, and press F8 again, and then you can take some action, such as copying it to the clipboard or deleting the text. By default, if you want to delete any more than a single character or word, you'll be prompted to confirm that you want to make the deletion. If you want to change this, it's a bit confusing because there are two separate confirm deletion options. One in settings, which I'll talk about later, which seems to pertain to the file manager only, and there is another one in the editor settings. So when you go into the editor, there is a menu option for going into settings. And at the moment, as I record this in early November 2020, the only option there is to disable this confirm deletion prompt. I think most of us would want to do that because it makes the editing process much smoother. If you're going to become a Mantis Q40 Ninja, then you will memorize a lot of the keyboard shortcuts that are available. But it takes some time to do that. And the Mantis throughout has a context menu concept. To get there, you press Control-M, and you can arrow through available choices at any given time, and right beside each choice, you've got the keyboard command. So if you find a function that you know you're going to use a lot, then you can commit that keyboard command to memory. If you want to have a go at brailing into this device, yes, I know that could seem counterintuitive. You bought it because it had a QWERTY keyboard, but sometimes you do want to braille for whatever reason. Why not have the best of both worlds? There is an option you can enable, which has the 
FDS and JKL keys as your six keys on a Perkins keyboard, and then you can braille into the device. Whether you're using the editor or the library, which we'll come to soon, there is an auto-scrolling option. You can press a key to begin scrolling the display without you having to press any of the thumb keys on the front, and you can very easily adjust the speed at which that scrolling takes place. As you would expect, there's the ability to search for text, and that works really well. Just press Control f type the text that you're searching for, and press Enter. You'll be there. After that, you can press F3 or Shift F3 to search forward and back with that same search string. There is also a Find and Replace feature as well. And you can put a document into read-only mode if you want to make sure that nothing is tampered with. That's a quick look at the editor. Going back to the main menu, and I'll get there by pushing the little round menu button on the front. I like that way of doing it because it's unambiguous. It always gets you out. If you are in one of the Mantis's applications, you can also press the Windows key to get to the main menu, kind of akin to pressing the Start menu. And I guess that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people will just do that by default. When we down arrow or use one of the thumb keys to navigate to the next option, after Editor, we have the Terminal. Terminal seems to me a bit of an old-fashioned term, and I wondered why it might not be called Braille Display Mode, but I mean, once you understand what it is, you know what it is. This is the feature that allows the Mantis Q40 to be a Braille display. When we choose the Terminal Mode by pressing Enter or pressing a cursor routing key above the word Terminal, the first option that we have is USB, assuming that you are connected to a USB device, which I am at the moment. By pressing Enter on USB, I'll be popped into the Braille display mode. And interestingly, it does actually say that when you go in. It says Braille display rather than terminal, so that's interesting. And then you'll be able to read on your Braille display what's coming up on your screen, assuming you have a compatible screen reader. It seems to be working really well with JAWS, which is what I am using. I'm going to press the menu key to get back, and now USB connection has focused once again. If I scroll down, the next option is Bluetooth connection, and I press Enter to activate that. The first option I have is iPhone. Then the next option is my laptop, which I've paired. There's an option called Reconnect Devices, which is kind of like an internal troubleshooting thing where it disables Bluetooth, enables Bluetooth again, and then tries to do a reconnection. And yeah, nine times out of 10, it does resolve any problems that might exist. Although I have to say most of the time, it is pretty reliable in establishing its connection. You can also go back here and add a new device if you want. You can have up to five Bluetooth devices and the USB device connected at the same time and switch between them. Currently, at the time of this recording, I've just got my iPhone and my laptop connected to the Mantis Q40. This is probably a good time to talk about using the iPhone with the Mantis Q40. By and large, it is a really cool experience. I have been frustrated over the years, as I said in the introduction, by laggy contracted Braille input. Sometimes it doesn't keep up with you when you get these Braille devices disconnecting and reconnecting, and it's not the best experience. It is a lot better than it was, and I appreciate all the effort that the team at Apple must have gone to to get it better than it was, but it's far from perfect. So having the QWERTY keyboard to work on here, with all of the keyboard commands that I've become used to over the years using Bluetooth keyboard commands, is wonderful. In Ulysses, for example, which I use a lot for composing documents, having Braille in front of me, while also on the same device, being able to use the mnemonic keys that make so much sense to me to zap around different format changes, to quickly go from one heading to another, to press a key and go from one misspelling to another, and have all of that with the Braille right there on one device, it's really tremendous. I mean, I used to carry around a Bluetooth keyboard and a Braille display, and I just found the Braille display input way too clunky. Now, with the Mantis Q40, you could have this one device doing both of those things. There is a downside at the moment, and that is that it doesn't feel like the voiceover paradigm is quite ready for the Mantis. There are many really cool Braille customization commands 
that you can do with voiceover. And there are two problems. The first problem is that at the moment, you cannot program the two inner thumb keys to whatever function you would like with iOS 14.2. I'm sure that will be resolved quite quickly. Well, at least I hope it will. But the second more serious problem is that Apple's Braille paradigm doesn't seem to allow for the fact that you might have a QWERTY-based Braille device. So at the moment, you can't assign a QWERTY command to a Braille function. Let's say, for example, that I want to auto-scroll the Braille display. I cannot assign a QWERTY keyboard command to auto-scrolling the Braille display. So I think this requires Apple to just do a bit of a rethink about how strict it is about what commands can be assigned to Braille functions. If you had a Braille keyboard, you could assign .125 chord, say, to a command, but you can't assign, say, option H to that command. I don't have an Android device, but there is no mention at the moment in terms of compatible screen readers of Android in the Mantis documentation. So they are not saying that the Mantis is working with Brailleback right now. But it does occur to me that if we could get this working with an Android device, it would take care of what for me was one of the two major downsides of Android, which was that the Braille commands that Brailleback uses are very unorthodox and for quite some time contracted Braille input was non-existent. I think that may have been corrected now. Multi-touch gestures are also a big concern with me, but of course in Android 11, that's being addressed as well. So I would be quite interested to have a play with a Mantis using an Android device when that support is confirmed. But there is a really important feature deficit that I want to point out, or at least it is for my use case. Obviously, when you get a new device, you can't help but compare it to what you've been using. And for a long time, I've been using Freedom Scientific Braille displays. For some time, I've had a Focus 40 Blue 5th generation, and it can pair with Bluetooth devices and a USB device. And by holding down the menu button and a key, you can quickly switch between any of those paired devices. Let me give you an example of where this is really useful for me personally. When I'm reading emails for this podcast, or perhaps I'm reading a script for this podcast, I always have that information on my iPhone, and I read on my Braille display from the iPhone. But I'm recording, obviously, on my PC using Reaper, and I want to quickly, from time to time, check maybe that I am definitely still recording and how long I've been recording for. It is so easy to switch back and forth with the Focus display. Because of the way their Bluetooth pairing works, if I hold down the menu key and dot one, I will always get my iPhone. Because once you've made a pairing, it stays in the same slot. I know, obviously, that holding down the menu key and pressing dot eight will get me back to my USB device. So that's how quick it is. Within just a split second, I can zap from one device to another without missing a beat. At the moment, there is no equivalent on the Mantis. And I do hope passionately that this is something that is addressed because it is probably for me the weakest thing about this product at the moment. Currently, I have the Mantis displaying my iPhone. So if I want to switch back, I press the menu key. Now I have to press U. That's the quickest way of doing it for USB connection. But I have to press enter. So you've got three key presses there to get myself back to where I want to be. And I like being able to switch back and forth seamlessly. So how about going the other way? Well, I can press the menu key and USB has shown up. So I can press the letter B and now Bluetooth has shown up. So I'll push enter. And now iPhone has shown up as my first option. So I can press enter and get in there. One of the other things that slows this process down is that although there is first letter navigation, for example, when you're on the main menu of the Mantis, you can press L for library. But even though there's no other app that starts with L, you still have to press enter to load it. So what I would like to see is being able to hold the menu key down and pressing perhaps an initial letter that launches the device with a friendly name that you've given it. 
My understanding is that because of the HID protocol, and I thoroughly applaud APH for using that because it's the future, and it allows you to use this device as a Bluetooth keyboard and a braille display, perhaps at different times. But because of this, you can't guarantee that a device will always be in the order that you expect. So I'm hoping there might be a way to give each device a friendly name. Because if you could do that, if you could call your iPhone iPhone and your laptop laptop, and the Mantis knows that it's its friendly name, what I'd like them to be able to do is hold down the menu key, and while it's held down, kind of like a shift key, push L for laptop, I for iPhone. That would be perfect, because then I'd have that same seamless ability to switch back and forth. Many blind people love their shortcut keys, so I'm hoping that APH doesn't stop there. I mean, that's a really, really critical one for me, personally, in my use case. But it would be great to be able, for example to seamlessly zap from one file to another in the editor. It's pretty common to have one file open for reading and another for editing and to switch between them so you can read and take notes. Given APH's laudable desire to stick to Windows conventions, Alt-Tab isn't being used for anything in the APH user interface at the moment, so why not have the user be able to Alt-Tab from one document to another so that you can quickly work on two documents at a time. Assuming that you can execute functions with the menu key held down, and I imagine that would be a software thing that could be enabled, there are all kinds of shortcuts that might be possible by holding the menu key down and pressing them. I would find the apps way more useful than they are now, and they are very useful now. If, for example, I could be reading something in the library on the Mantis, press a key to go back to my terminal mode, my Braille display mode, and do some work there, and press a single key to get back to the library function. It's that sort of attention to detail and the user experience that would make a very good product, a truly great product. And we are only at the very beginning of this product's life, so I have a lot of confidence that cool things are coming. The next option on the Mantis Q40's main menu is library. And this is where you access material from a range of sources. You can copy material that you only want to read into a specific folder on the Mantis Q40 and pop it open in read-only mode. The same file formats apply here as with the editor. You can also read HTML files, the language of the World Wide Web, and DAISY files are supported too. I'll have a bit more to say about DAISY shortly. If there's one thing I really would like to see, yes, I know, scope creep, scope creep, But PDF files would be ever so handy because so many times you get given a PDF file by someone. And I found this earlier in the week. I got quite into using the Mantis Q40 for different things. And then someone gave me a PDF file and I realized I couldn't work with it. The other one that I think would be handy in this context is PowerPoint files because you get a lot of PowerPoint presentations given to you as well. And since APH is big in the education market, I think there'd be a lot of benefit in being able to just load a PowerPoint file for read-only. You can read DAISY books in the library as well. And this is really cool because you can use Bookshare all self-contained on this device. You can sign in under the online services menu with your Bookshare credentials. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it reminded me of browsing Netflix on a smartphone or a smart TV. You can browse through New titles, popular titles, you can do a title search and an author search, and that is available in the online services menu. You can also browse NFB Newsline if you have access to that fantastic service. And anything that you download, either manually or on a schedule, you can access from the library as well. Yes, the Mantis Q40 does have Wi-Fi for all of this, and you can also download firmware updates for the device using its built-in Wi-Fi. But back to the book reader, you can read Daisy books with this, so you can download Bookshare books in Daisy format, NFB Newsline comes down in Daisy, and you can set your navigation level, and then you have two of your thumb keys panning the display, and the other two navigating by heading level. And it's inclusive, so if you set your navigation level to heading three, for example, it'll navigate heading levels one, two, and three, 
This means, if you're familiar with the way that NFB Newsline newspapers are structured in DAISY format, with a very clear logical structure, with the section at one heading level and then each article in a subheading level, it's really a beautiful experience to sit there reading the newspaper in Braille wherever you have Wi-Fi access. One thing I really like about the book reader is the bookmark feature. I actually used this when I was evaluating it the other day in a board meeting that I attended for the organization that I work for. And I had the board papers in one big file for the convenience of everybody, but there were distinct papers, there were distinct sections. And I went through and marked each new document up in this big file with a bookmark. And it was so slick to be able to jump from one part of the board papers to another. And of course, the search feature, the control F, also works in the library. You can also navigate by page. You can also go to a certain percentage of the book. One thing I have not made clear about the Mantis Q40, which is a really big advantage over some of its competitors, is that it does have Braille translation on board. Now, since I talked about one thing I really like about the Focus compared to the Mantis, we'll do turnabout. Apart from the fact that the Focus supports far fewer formats, if you take, say, a plain text file, and you want to read it on your Focus Braille display, when you put it on there, you're going to have computer Braille unless you translate it on your PC. And in fact, when I did an FS cast on the Focus 40 Blue 5th generation, I showed various ways that you can take a document and translate it into contracted Braille on your PC and then send it across to the Focus 40 Blue. There is no need to do that with the Mantis Q40 because you can choose your grade of Braille. So when you open a text file, if you want to see grade 2 or contracted Braille on your display, just enable contracted Braille in the settings. It's not something you have to do on a per-document basis. Once the Mantis Q40 knows that you prefer contracted Braille, then it just stays with it, and no matter what you open, you will see contracted Braille on the display. That is pretty good, given what you are paying for this product and the fact that it is not a full note-taker. Following the library on the Mantis Q40's main menu, there is the file manager. This is kind of like Windows Explorer or the Finder or anything similar. You can access any device that is connected, such as thumb drive storage or SD storage or the built-in storage on the device. And you can have a look at what files are stored here. Now, the ex-product manager in me cringes when I do this because I know what it's like to be on the other side. So scope creep alert, scope creep alert. I do think it would be cool if we could have cloud storage in here, Dropbox, OneDrive, Google Drive, not necessarily all of them. I would say Dropbox is probably the most ubiquitous cloud storage service. That would be really nice. And since this device does have Wi-Fi, and they have set a precedent by including built-in support for Bookshare and NFB Newsline, Dropbox support would be so sweet. You could open it up in the file manager here, take a look at a file that's compatible with the Mantis, and just open it. If you could do that, and you used, say, the Wi-Fi feature to use your smartphone as a hotspot, boy, oh boy, that would be pretty impressive. The calculator is next. It has the basic range of functions that you would expect in a basic calculator. Next is date and time, and then we have settings. I'll press enter to go into the settings, and the first option is user settings. And we'll have a look at how configurable this is. First, there's airplane mode. This will save you some battery life, of course, if you don't need the Wi-Fi or the Bluetooth on and you just want to use it as a really basic note taker and write away for longer. They say that the Mantis gets about 15 hours of continuous use. And I presume that's with the radios, the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth turned on. But you can turn airplane mode on at any time. There's a format markers feature. You can choose whether the cursor is visible or not. And there's a message display time. These are status messages from the Mantis device. And I believe the default is 10 seconds. I've turned that way down. But you can also just press a cursor routing key to dismiss them once you've read them. Next, the device will go to sleep. If you haven't touched it for a while, the display will switch off and save some power, much like if you had tapped the power button you can choose how long before it does that. You can turn word wrap off. I love the fact that it has word wrap. 
Condensed blank lines makes reading a little bit faster. I certainly appreciate that as somebody who does a lot of reading out loud. There's a confirm delete option, which I have set to off. And as I mentioned earlier, this is different from the confirm deletion option that is in the editor settings. As far as I can tell, this one pertains to the file manager only. There's a vibration mode and a little speaker that goes beep. So if you are deaf blind, you can't hear the speaker then you will be able to feel the vibration if you turn the vibration mode on. And what I certainly appreciate is that when you have this on, the device will vibrate when you power it up. Wonderful. Next, you can choose whether it beeps or not. And then you can go into the thumb keys configuration and customize those four thumb keys exactly the way you like them. I do so appreciate that. There's a feature called wireless notifications, which I guess lets you know when you're in an area where you have a wireless network that you can connect to, and those are the user settings. Next, there's the Braille profile option. You can configure a range of Braille profiles and load them as needed. I should also say that you can choose whether you want all the prompts from the Mantis to appear in contracted Braille or uncontracted Braille. The Wi-Fi option is next in settings, and I found this absolutely as expected. I scanned for Wi-Fi networks, it found mine, I was able to enter the encryption key, it gave me a progress indicator as it was trying to establish the connection, and then it confirmed to me that the connection was made. There is no web browser in the Mantis, and everything I have been led to understand about this device indicates there never will be, so there can be some limitations with the Wi-Fi. If you find yourself at a hotel and you pull out your Mantis to do some work, It might not be possible to authenticate with the hotel Wi-Fi if you need a browser to do that authentication. But keep in mind, this is first and foremost a Braille display that has a few little accessories built into the device. So you'll be traveling with a computer and or a smartphone and they will connect to the Wi-Fi and you can get plenty of work done with Braille feedback that way. The Wi-Fi is only important for things like downloading books from Bookshare or downloading papers from NFB Newsline or getting an update. You'll still be able to work away on the editor and transfer files to your computer. Under Bluetooth, you can turn Bluetooth on or off. You can connect and disconnect devices. And from here, you can also delete paired devices. And next, we have an About option which is also where you can go to check for software updates. While I haven't had a software update since I've been using the device, I understand you will be prompted if it detects that a firmware update is available. It does check for those periodically. We've talked about the online services as we've gone through. That's next, the online services menu. It'll be interesting to see if there are additions to that over time. The user guide is next. That's on board the device. And as one becomes familiar with it, it's certainly handy to have the user guide right there to refer to when you know that this thing does something and you can't remember precisely how. And finally, on the main menu, you can power off the device, but you can also do that by holding down the power button for a few seconds. That's the overview of the Mantis Q40. So I just have some closing thoughts, my overall impressions. I am passionate about my Braille. Without Louis Braille's priceless gift, I don't know where I'd be. The jobs that I've been able to hold would have been very different. But I do prefer typing to brailing into a device. When I used to travel, I would have this backpack full of technology. It used to drive the security people nuts because I had so much stuff in this backpack. And I would always be carrying my Bluetooth keyboard and a Braille display because I just didn't feel comfortable using my Braille display for input with my iPhone. Some people have gotten around the quirks of the iPhone by just abandoning contracted Braille input and brailing in with uncontracted Braille. And I tried that, but I'm just such a creature of habit, having been using contracted Braille since I was five, that I found myself slipping back into the habit of using contractions again. And also, it still doesn't get around the fact that I just type faster, more efficiently than I braille. With a Mantis Q40, I could leave the Bluetooth keyboard at home. One less device to potentially lose 
one less device to charge. And just having Braille at my fingertips when I'm using my Bluetooth keyboard of choice is a surprisingly big deal. I also like being able to use this keyboard with JAWS. It feels very comfortable to do so. I've got a bit of a problem with space on my desk though because the Focus 40 Blue sits beautifully in front of my mechanical keyboard on my desk and the Mantis Q40 understandably is wider from front to back because it has to accommodate the QWERTY keyboard. The apps are really quite good given what they are. You've got to set appropriate expectations for yourself. If you want a full note taker, then you'd want to buy a full note taker. But I think there are many people who would be very happy with this compromise. They know that they can use their iPhones or their PCs for most things, but sometimes they just want something that's pretty robust and working well for writing a few documents on the fly. And I do hope that we will see some additional functionality built in to future versions of the firmware because I think that APH certainly has a winner on their hands here. The biggest downside for me is that inability to really quickly switch between connected devices. To me, that is a must-fix, and I must say I was gratified to read the NFB's review of the Mantis Q40 saying exactly the same thing. Humanware sent me this device to take a look at, and I have called Humanware, and I said, I don't think I want to be without this device. I don't want to send it back. Can I buy it? So I have bought it. This Mantis Q40 is now my Mantis Q40. I really like this device. No device is perfect, but we're at the beginning of the life of the Mantis Q40, and I have a lot of confidence that it's going to continue to go from strength to strength. APH sells the Mantis Q40 for $2,495. If you're outside the United States, obviously check with Humanware, who are distributing the Mantis Q40 on APH's behalf overseas, for further information. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a US number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin FM.